Welcome to the Configure Price Code podcast. My name is Frank Sohn and I'm the founder of NoCPQ Consulting. This podcast is 100% focused on Configure Price Quote, also known as CPQ, and will provide you useful insights into this topic. Today I have two guests, Kevin Gerardi and Ron Gattini, both co-founders of Blueprint Aftermarket Services AMS, a company that provides uh, servitization software, hence the abbreviation, right? Kevin also co-founded Blueprint CPQ in Uh, 99. He has a wealth of experience in CPQ and was previously a guest on the CPQ podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, Kevin. Thank you very much, Frank. And Ron has 45 years of experience and is an expert regarding aftermarket services and servitization. Welcome to the CPQ podcast, Ron. Thanks, Frank. Please, let's start maybe by telling our listeners a little bit more about yourself, right? So, and let's start with you, Kevin, where are you located and what did you do before you co-founded Blueprint AMS? Well, I'm located as, uh, from a, as you may know, in Cheltenham in the UK. And prior to finding AM, co-founding AMS, I was uh, working on Blueprint CPQ and, um, That's that's my kind of business background. Prior to that, it's always sales and marketing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's where I come from. Oh, and one thing I always ask every guest, and I know our listeners like these questions, it's what do you do if you don't work, Kevin? Well, I, as I get older, I find I'm, I find myself looking more and more at keeping myself fit. So the running is still going strong. I, um, I, I try to run several times a week, going to the gym, swimming, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I'm now getting into the nutrition side. My wife is very big on uh, uh, nutrition, so I'm learning the correct things to eat. Perhaps a little late in life, but hey. <laughs> I do the same thing now, Kevin, so no, <laughs> no questions here. Excellent. So, and I think at one point we have to be, uh, open up a, a CPQ fitness club because that's what a lot of people like to do. I think that's a, that there's a pattern here. Uh, Ron, same questions for you. Were you located and what did you do before you uh, co-founded Blueprint AMS? Well, I've been uh, living in a little town called Lewisburg, uh, Pennsylvania for the last 30 years. It's about 200 miles west of New York City, uh, as a little university, Bucknell University, and it has the big house federal penitentiary. Uh, it's mentioned several times in the recent film, The Irishman. Uh, there were a lot of mob bosses, and Jimmy Hoffa were guests at our, our penitentiary. I, I got my MBA from Indiana University in operations, uh, concentration in operations, operations research, which is I, I work in manufacturing as a supply chain uh, head, And I ran a business unit in the aerospace uh, aftermarket for uh, 10 years. And I've been a, a uh, management consultant strictly in the B2B aftermarket, working with OEMs across a bunch of different areas. Excellent. And I'm pretty sure we could talk about that for, for hours because you have 45 years of experience. But I think what was also very interesting and fits the pattern that Kevin mentioned before, you're also a marathon runner, right? So, and you, you were running the New York Marathon in a very good time. You're also doing triathlons. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, yeah, my personal life has sort of been focused on sports on the side. Uh, I was a high school varsity tennis player. Then I was a collegiate squash player. Then I was a tournament racquetball player. Then I went to marathons. I did a bunch of marathons. Best time, 254. Uh, I did New York City. 
then I did triathlons, then I did mountain biking, and then I am now on a elliptical trainer after my wife, and when I turned 60, told me, enough is enough. I have no idea where you are in these mountains in Pennsylvania. I disappear for two to four hours mountain biking, and uh, he took away my cell phone, and uh, I now just work on my elliptical and for an hour every day. No, I think this this fitness club is definitely becoming a thing. So <laughs> we, we have to follow up on this at one point. Probably make a configurable application out of this. Anyway, Kevin, uh, how how did you and Ron get the idea to work together on this blueprint aftermarket services, right? And what obstacles did you have to overcome? Because one is based in the in the UK, um, and Ron is based on on the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, well, from my perspective, we were having customers on the CPQ side start to talk about the aftermarket, and I had, I had to go away and learn what the aftermarket was and uh, found that it was a bit about spares and there was bits that went on from there. But this was kind of going on and we were looking at how we might extend the CPQ product to cater for this type of thing. And then uh, you and I did a podcast 18 months, two years ago, and uh, and off of the back of that, Ron heard what we were talking about, and uh, and that podcast that I did got Ron and I talking, and that's where I got to learn way way more about the aftermarket and servitization, and um, and Ron had a wealth of information and was looking for a software tool or was looking to capture his brain in uh, in software. So uh, we explored whether we could do that, and uh, and here we are. As I say, two years later, with a product that uh, that has done uh, much of that capturing of, of Ron's brain. In terms of problems, uh, we didn't really have any. It was it was just trying to work out how best to systemize 35, 40 years worth of uh, of knowledge and experience and and put that into a a software package, which is kind of what we do. Um, the fact that Ron was in the U.S. and we were in the U.K. That didn't really cause too many issues. The web meetings are pretty good these days. We had a couple of face-to-face -face meetings, but not that many. So uh, our carbon footprint was was very low. Excellent. And I think that's also uh, very good to hear that that uh, that the podcast can help to to get or bring people together, right? So, but Ron, from your point of view, that's very, also very different from what you used to do. What is the most exciting part of you being a part of this Blueprint AMS effort? Well, you know, as you get older uh, and you have a wealth of knowledge, again, as Kevin uh, indicated, you want to do a Vulcan mind probe and codify uh, your knowledge. So uh, that was the exciting, that's the exciting part that, I really want to make a difference out there, and we were able to repurpose uh, the software. I actually tried to start the software development on my own. It just, it's very expensive. Anyway, uh, Kevin and I, we hit it off really well, and uh, we were able to repurpose uh, most of the software to provide uh, the tools that we needed to uh, serve the uh, aftermarket. So that, that's exciting part for me, working with really great people. Uh, we have people here in the States, in, in Europe. Uh, they're all focused, and we do want to make a, a big difference. 
And Kevin, one question for you. Since you already had the Blueprint CPQ, you have been in business in this business for quite some time. Why did you decide to co-found Blueprint AMS instead of making the aftermarket and servitization product an extension of Blueprint CPQ? Well, the first point of call, uh, of course, was to extend CPQ, and that was where we were headed. But it was as I began to learn more about this market from Ron and then diving deeper into customer requirements and speaking with others that weren't customers and what was going on in the market, a trend became, I would say, pretty clear to us that there were lots of companies out there wishing to transition from a traditional build and sell model to servitization or an outcome-based pricing model. But very few of them knew how to do that, and very, and even fewer knew how to do that safely and quickly. So we saw this, uh, jointly, we saw this great inertia of people wanting to do something that was fundamentally different from their business, but unable to convince people in their business very often how to do it. So we saw that CPQ title. The more we learned about it, we thought the CPQ heading was... Uh, at best, misleading. Uh, it's a very different market. And the other important factor is that what we've built here, we wanted to be CPQ agnostic so that people that are already using CPQ systems in one part of the business could bolt on Blueprint AMS. They don't have to have Blueprint CPQ to be able to use the aftermarket and servitization modules we have. And I think that's a very interesting aspect of it, and we will talk a little bit more about it. But my next question is for, for Ron. Since we talked about the aftermarket and servitization product, so let's maybe start by telling us what is your aftermarket product and what is servitization? Okay, let's talk about the aftermarket, all right? First of all, you're dealing with commercial machine owners who are trying to obtain value from their products, and they have to engage in managing activities, the in impact, the performance of the availability of time or the employment or operation of their machine's capability, in other words, propulsion, navigation, conditioning of air. And they have to manage the resources to do that. They either do that organically or they can do that in the aftermarket. The aftermarket actually provides those resources that a machine owner doesn't do organically. Now, in the big picture, there's approximately $25 trillion worth of machine, commercial machines in the world. And the average spend uh, to manage those machines is about $650 billion, with about $450 billion in the, after, in the aftermarket which is still, that's, that's the annual spend per year in the aftermarket. And the aftermarket provides, you know, a diversity of offerings. I'll give you an example. When a failure occurs for a component that impacts the uh, availability uptime of an engine, a truck, the aftermarket offerings can be providing parts to repair the engines, but the repair process is performed organically or the aftermarket offers the planning of parts and they put it together as a kit and sell it in the aftermarket, or the aftermarket can provide an on-site technician to perform the work, or the aftermarket can provide parts and technicians, or the aftermarket can provide 
rental of tooling. Already at the market, can take the fail engine and do a remanufacturing engine. The point is, you have a zillion options. I've been in the manufacturing side, the service side, in the aftermarket, the opportunities for solutions are just unbelievable. And the environment is probably five times more complex than that of, of manufacturing. So I just gave you an example of all the different uh, nuances of the aftermarket. Now, servitization is a business model in which an operator's risk of managing the investment in the machine as well as their risk of managing the performance of that machine is transferred from the machine operator to the seller of the agreement. That's a major change today in the CPQ uh, typical OEM. You build the product, sell it, and good luck. All right. I mean, you have warranties and you have some limited extended warranties, but in the servitization, the onus is completely shifted in the total servitization. All the most of the risks are transferred to the provider of the uh, solution. So that's a big that's a big change, and it changes also. There's a lot of changes in the CPQ area. Because I'll give you an example in the engine manufacturing business. Every single jet engine loses money by design. So when you have a CPQ for an engine, you have to design it to have a loss. All right. This gets involved with uh, learning curve issues, but I don't want to get involved with that. But the end result is that the design of the product, the CPQ of the product is all geared towards the aftermarket. That's where they make all their money. And it's it's a totally different uh, business model. And, and Kevin and I have talked about changes in the business model has a huge impact. Kevin and I are seeing that the CPQ and the AMS, the aftermarket servitization module, they, they seem to be almost blending together uh, because of changes in the business model. And the next question is for Kevin. Can you tell us what capabilities Blueprint AMS offers today and what your plans are for 2020 as far as you can share? Yeah, I, I prefer to focus on a customer journey, Frank. And depending upon where a company is on their journey, and I believe that they there are, there are several points that a company can uh, be at, be it proactive spares, becoming more proactive around their spare sales, wanting to tailor service agreements uh, or moving towards aftermarket servitization even uh, right on to products as a service. In terms of our product, we've built in ways that we can accommodate a company and help them reduce that risk uh, along each of those steps of the journey. So that's the key really, is making it easy for them to come in and use the app that will help them on their journey, help them assess the, re the, the risk at each of those steps. Because if they get it wrong, uh, they can basically bleed to death very slowly if they're entering into service agreements or servitization agreements over several years. So understanding the costs is key and the risks around that. And having done that, we then help them uh, build a clear business case and hopefully then demonstrate where value can be added. And then once that's done, they can quickly take that offer to market so that sales guys can go out and sell it. And in terms of uh, what we're doing uh, in, for the rest of this year is uh, we're working with a small number of beta projects uh, with partners 
And uh, through the year, we'll be building these out and refining the model even more. So it's quite an exciting science for us, really. If you need to know what's happening in the CPQ world, have a look at our monthly CPQ Circle subscription. It has a state of CPQ, industry trends, news, tips and tricks, and an event calendar that shows CPQ-related industry events eight months out. Try it today, you won't regret it. Go to NobusCPQ.com, look for services, and then select subscriptions to sign up. Excellent. And one follow-up question here, just to clarify this. So you expect to have the first live customers later this year? Indeed. Yes, excellent. Excellent. Uh, Ron, next question for you. What's your target audience for Blueprint AMS, right? Are there any industries, geographies, customer sizes that you want to focus on first? And I guess this is a B2B product, correct? Uh, yeah, we're, you know, our focus, uh, you know, Kevin and I have spent a lot of time on this. Our focus really are OEMs with revenues under $500 million. Uh, some of them will be privately held, some smaller business units of larger OEMs. Most customers will be global in nature, all right? And almost all our customers will have a global presence, and we've structured the product so that it could be deployed on a global basis and manage the risks uh, for each uh, sector of the globe. So, and again, uh, we're really interested. There's a couple of different areas that uh, Kevin and I have been uh, looking at which is the high-tech, the robotics, for example. Uh, a lot of robotics manufacturers are actually uh, not selling their product. They are providing leases, and they're moving into servitization. They're basically selling, uh, for example, in New York City, they have robots that have replaced security guards. All they do is walk around with cameras I mean, <laughs> as a robot. And they're charged, what's interesting, they're charged for an eight-hour shift. And that it's owned by the robot manufacturer. So they're going to serverization uh, rapidly. And we're finding that the high-tech companies uh, where the cost of sales, this is an important point for the whole CPQ market and for us as well as in the AMS, is that more and more products, the cost of sales is getting down to 50% or less of the price of the product, which means that the rest of the value of that product is IP and R&D and marketing and a bunch of other areas. So it's it's really interesting that how we're approaching uh, the marketing. Because that, that is for sure the key area, key markets that, uh, that we're addressing. But we're also getting interest in areas that we weren't expecting so much, Frank. So for example, companies, large organizations that are selling commodity type products like lubricants and the like, they are uh, really interestingly looking at servitization as well. So it, this servitization thing is, uh, is happening all over the place. And, and I think that's a good segue to my next question because, yes, I see uh, definitely more also CPQ vendors looking into these areas, right? But you are one of only five who sponsor a servitization conference, right? And I think that's uh, sometime in May. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, the, the location, what visitors can expect and so on? Yeah. Um, 
the Advanced Services Group at Aston University, they, they have long pioneered servitization, uh, certainly long before me, maybe not quite as long as Ron. Uh, but this year, they are launching the World Servitization Conference, which is the first of its kind. And it will be held in Birmingham in the UK. I think it's the 5th, 6th and 7th of May, Frank. Uh, and their plan is it's uh, there's an academic part to the uh, the conference at the beginning, but then the the sixth and seventh, uh, the latter part of the the show is geared more around the commercial aspect and how they can help other companies get involved in servitization. So the uh, the plan of the show is it's very much a hands-on event where there will be practical examples of companies that are already doing servitization. So it's really geared up to demonstrate to people that this isn't just a a theory. People are out there doing it. And there'll be a bunch of companies uh, there, of which we are one of the main sponsors, that will be not just demonstrating how to do it, but helping them achieve it in a similar fashion. Excellent. We will have the link to the servitization conference also in the show notes. Ron, next question is for you. I, I understand that the servitization customer journey can go down a couple of different paths as discussed in, in preparation for this meeting, right? A high-level journey and full servitization. Tell us a little bit more about these different paths so that we understand what, what it is. Uh, yeah, it's uh, they have a couple of different uh, ways to uh, approach servitization. Again, our product, is broken down into uh, two solution sets. Uh, one is the business case, which is really important. Everyone has to go through that business case. Uh, and I've gone through it a zillion times with, uh, with clients and, and, and running businesses. And they have to first do that. So when they have to identify what product lines they want to cover, what models they want to cover, what bill structure that they want to cover in regards to the servitization, then they have to decide what solutions they want to provide. Then they have to develop what their costs are in providing those solutions. Then they have to do risk mitigation. Then they have to look at other costs. You know, one of the big pluses that we have that enables customers to rapidly onboard is that I've developed uh, over all these decades what's called parametric cost estimation. Parametric cost estimation enables our clients to have to eliminate that deer in the headlights when you say, well, what's your cost for this? And they go, well, we don't know. Uh, and we basically have defaults that says, this is probably a pretty good cost. Let's put that in into the model so that you can uh, roll up the cost and roll up all of the other variables to come up with a price. That's very important so that when you go to leadership, Uh, you have a model, regardless of what maturity level that you may uh, have in regards to servitization. So we do that. It's a big, big plus. Then we have our sales tool. Once that's all done, then the sales team is empowered to go out and sell products that have been uh, previously uh, approved. And we have uh, three-step maturity process. One is the baby steps, where... We deliver selective uh, resources like parts, and we bundle that into kits that are then delivered for specific events. For example, uh, when you have a preventive maintenance program every one year, uh, we might have a three-year contract where 
those kits are put together and delivered, you know, every year or whenever the customer wants. That's the sort of baby step. The next level is that we look at multiple activities and we provide a lot more resources than just, say, you know, one. Uh, and then finally, uh, we have a maturity level that creates an agreement for a bunch of activities for multiple capabilities of the machine, and it gets close to providing outcome-based uh, results. In other words, you don't sell, you don't pay for an activity, uh, you pay for an outcome, which would be uptime. And what sabotization capabilities do the customers that you talk to ask for most often? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, most people want to take baby steps uh, to pilots. So they tend to uh, do, for example, parts kitting for a period of time, uh, but, but limited. And we recommend that way, actually. Uh, Kevin and I are pretty strong. We want, we want our customers to be successful. If you take too much of a bite... Uh, and try to cover too many aspects of performance of a particular uh, machine, you could get into big trouble, all right? So there's lots of other uh, issues. On the financial side, this is very complex. There's uh, revenue recognition issues uh, for accounting purposes. There might even be an operating lease embedded in the uh, in offering. So we, we, we enable them help them to get through that journey step by step so they can punch through a lot of the uh, challenges up front. Like Kevin said, this is a different business model. Uh, has huge implications on commissions for salespeople it, and cash flow, many, many uh, areas. So we want to venture carefully uh, for our clients. Great. And I want to go back to one point that Kevin mentioned earlier, is that uh, your aftermarket servitization product can be used with multiple CPQ tools, correct? A anything you want to add there, Kevin? Uh, it's certainly correct. Uh, there was something I, I wanted to add, maybe not necessarily related to that specific question, Frank, other than to say, yes, we are CPQ agnostic. It's that, uh, as Ronnie's talking about these different pricing methods, and you asked earlier about why we've branded AMS and not CPQ. One of the things that we were really keen to do was price. We wanted to practice what we preach. And by what I mean by that is that we will price and we are pricing Blueprint AMS on an outcome-based uh, uh, model. That's very interesting for a lot of customers, I'm sure, about that. Thanks for clarifying that. Now, uh, since you started with your first customers, right, what are the biggest challenges you have run into so far? Anything uh, worth mentioning here? I can start uh, just, you know, onboarding the sales team, for example. They have to obviously be uh, interested in pushing this. and There's commission, commission issues that have to be addressed, and there's the whole accounting issues that have to be addressed. Uh, but we walk through. What we do is, if we can, the person we can convince, have to convince many times is the CFO of a firm, right? He has to understand or she has to understand what the risks are and the accounting issues that they need to, uh, to deal with because a lot of what we're doing is actually changing what is called a capital expenditure to an operating expenditure. Uh, and there's, there's ramifications to that. And, and we believe that pilot programs uh, are the best way uh, 
to uh, deal with this uh, and keep it small, keep it focused, have leadership understand what's happening, and you have a much better chance of uh, success doing that. And for anyone who's interested to learn more about this offering, where should they go? Well, I, I think that uh, Blueprint has done a, a great job of uh, putting together a website. Um, I think that Kevin can probably provide you the best path forward on that. Yeah, we, I, I would say a demo. We, we'd be happy to share with people where we're at and, and demonstrate practical examples of how people can implement Blueprint AMS uh, through the various stages of a, a servitization journey. Excellent. And I saw it uh, before, right? So I think it's a very interesting capability. So, And uh, if somebody asks for that, what's the best way to get the hold of you, Kevin? Well, me personally, and I guess Ron, LinkedIn is always a great, uh, a great place. So Ron's profile, my profile on LinkedIn, make contact with us, send us a message through that, the website, of course. Or for those that are uh, interested in a trip to the UK or perhaps already based in the UK, Uh, come and see us at the World Servitization Conference. Uh, in fact, on that, we've got some complimentary uh, passes for that. And for listeners to the podcast, uh, we're happy to make a few of those available on a, a first-come, first-served basis. So if anybody is interested in going to that World Servitization Conference, uh, get in contact with Ron or I through LinkedIn. Excellent. I think it's a very interesting topic that will probably take up more time in the coming Uh, and in the near future, let's put it this way, right, For also for CPQ. So thank you very much for both of you taking the time to tell us a little bit more about this and give us a first introduction into this topic. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. I'd like to thank everyone for listening and hope you learned something interesting today. If you like the podcast, please go ahead and rate it on iTunes or share it with your friends and colleagues. In the meantime, you can find us online at www.novocpq.com. So long, everyone.